0: Thank you for being here tonight. I appreciate that so very much. Those watching online, thank you for tuning in as well. We have just completed on Sunday nights a study called "How to Read Your Bible Like a Seminary Student," and so let me tell you where we're going now, at least for the next few weeks. We're going to do a two or three week study called "Big Decisions," uh, and basically we're going to plan for two, but you know how it go- two Sundays, but you know how it goes. It might be three Sundays, right? or four. <laughs> but but here, here's kind of the plan. Tonight, next week, we're going to be talking about big decisions. That, that's going to be the series. Then the next week is Father's Day, June the 20th. And then if the next week, the 27th, if we need to come back and finish this series uh, for a third week, that's what we'll do. So that's kind of our plan for, Monday, or for Sunday nights during the month of June. We'll be looking at this series called Big Decisions. Now, I want to start by just reminding you that as we're talking tonight, we're going to ask for your participation. And I need you just to jump in there, give me answers, think through things, and, and let's participate together. So let me start with this. We make decisions every day, and quite frankly, a lot of the decisions we make every day, there's very little consequences tied to them, right? Just real quickly, give me some of the decisions you've made sometime today. What, what were some of the decisions you made? Where you going to eat? What else? What you going to wear? <laughs> and the big one, when is nap time? All right, so, so those, those are the kind of decisions, we make those decisions every day. Where are we going to eat? What are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? <laughs> are we going to take a nap? Now, When was the last time you worried about those decisions? It's it probably you didn't worry very much at all about, where did you all eat, by the way? Your mom's house, all right? So, uh, did you take a nap? Yeah, how long was it? 30 minutes. Oh, when to take a nap? (laughs) When to take a nap, all right. Here's my point. We've got to make all kinds of decisions every day, and we don't worry about those decisions. We don't think about those decisions very much. And here's the reason there's not a lot of consequences tied to it. I thought about some of the decisions I made today, I, I wrote down three, very similar to what you guys have just said. I, three of the decisions that were very clear for me today was where were we going to go for lunch? We stood in the back of the sanctuary and we talked about that decision after, after services, where are we going to go for lunch? We went to Zaxby's, by the way, in case you're wondering. Uh, what, 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 what am I going to eat for lunch? Because, well, I won't get into that, <clears throat> but they didn't have Pepsi, so... And then I made the decision, what am I going to wear tonight? I started to wear what I wore today, just not with the coat, and I thought no i 'm going to wear this and those things are are very small you don 't worry about those things you don't You just make the decision and you don 't worry about the consequences. We make decisions every day and we don 't really concern ourselves with it. But occasionally we make big decisions now give me a few examples of some. Big decisions that, that we sometimes have to make. Talk to me again. Sir? Leaving your job. That's a big decision. Should I leave my job? What's another big decision you have to make sometimes? All right, buying a home. Give me another one. Yes, putting your parent in assisted living. Give me one or two more big decisions. When you should retire, absolutely. Give me one more really big decision. Health issues. Health issues, absolutely. Now, here's my question for you. And again, I need your participation. What makes a big decision big? Consequences. Consequ- you, rel- you realize you've got to live with the consequences, right? Of that decision. Now, if you are a Christian... And I know most of us are, maybe all of us are here tonight. If you're a Christian, when you have a big decision, you probably want to factor God into that decision, right? I, I didn't ask God today, where should we go for lunch? We didn't factor God into that decision. I didn't, I didn't ask God tonight, what, what should I wear? I, I, didn't, I didn't worry about that. But if I got a big decision, I want to factor God into that decision. There was a study done that was kind of fascinating, the results that came out. According to a national poll, 68% of all adults are facing a decision for which they would like to get direction from God. 68% of all people say, I'd like to get direction from God. And then if you dig down into that study a little deeper, it gets even more fascinating. 57% of non-Christians, 57% of non-Christians indicated a desire to receive God's direction. That was fascinating to me. Eighty-three percent of born-again Christians or born-again adults stated that they had a specific immediate need for God's direction in their life. More than eight out of ten said, right now in my life, I need God's direction. I've got to make a decision. There seems to be this awareness with everybody that our knowledge is limited. That our insight is limited, that we really can't see over the horizon. We really don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. We really don't know sometimes the best course of action to take. So when we're facing a big decision, we feel the pressure, watch this, to make the right decision, right? we we feel the pressure because there's so much on the line and there's consequences and we want to make the right decision. So what we're going to be talking about tonight is how do you sort through the confusion and how do you sort through the options to make the right decision. That's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Really what we're asking is this, how do you determine God's will? There's several ways we could approach this. There's how do you determine God's will? Well, there's several approaches to determining God's will, and the things that I'm going to give you on this are, are going to be pretty good ways to determine God's will, but we're going to go beyond this. This is just kind of an introduction thing, but how do you determine God's will? There's three common approaches. One I might call the, the checklist approach. This is a good approach, nothing wrong with it, uh, basically... The checklist is this. We've got a checklist of three things, and the three things is this. What do I see in God's Word? As I'm trying to understand God's will for my life, what do I see in God's Word? Of course, the second thing is, what about the circumstances? Do the circumstances that I find myself in... Do they line up with what I see in God's word? And then the third one would be this. What about my inner desires? Do I, is this something that I really feel a calling and a desire to do? And so the checklist approach is basically when these three things line up, you kind of have a better idea that this might be God's will. So if you're trying to determine your job, for example, something related to your job, what is it God's saying to you in your private time in the Word? What is it, as you look at the circumstances, do they line up with what God seems to be saying? And then is my inner desire, uh, does it all line up together? That's kind of the checklist approach. This approach has some merit, but there are some pitfalls as well. One of the pitfalls is this. What if I only get two out of three? You know, do do I just forget about it if I don't get all three of them? Uh, if 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 I get this one and this one, but the circumstances don't seem to indicate this, do, do I walk away from it? What? You, so this is a, a decent approach to try to determine God's will. I wouldn't say it's foolproof, though. All right, there's a second approach, and that is what we might call. I'm going to write this one down called the listening approach. Uh, those who who Uh, use this approach, will say that God communicates clearly to all of those who want to hear Him. He speaks. We just have to listen. And if you read your Bible, you see God doing that. You see God speaking to Moses and God speaking to Daniel and God speaking to Elijah. Uh, They all heard God speak and they responded. But here's the question with that approach. What do I do when I don't hear God say anything, but I still have to make a decision? How am I supposed to decide something? when I don't hear anything from God, but I still have to make a decision. So the listening approach is another way some people try to determine God's will. A third way that some people try to determine God's will, third way they try to make big big decisions. It's kind of an interesting one. It's called the wisdom approach. And the people who suggest this one would say, God's not overly concerned with the decisions that you make so long as you stay within the parameters of Scripture. So long as you don't violate the parameters of Scripture, then God's not overly concerned with what job you have. So long as you you don't violate the parameters of Scripture, God's not overly concerned with who you marry. Instead of asking, is this God's will, those who promote this approach would say, the key question is, is this a wise decision? And is, is this a wise decision? Now, this is the, the approach that I would say I, I have a little bit of a problem with. Because I think the Scripture is clear that we do need to make wise decisions, yes. But I'm also uh, believing that the Scripture teaches us that God has a special plan for our lives. How I many of you believe God really does have a plan for your life? I do. I say it to you this way, if God counts the number of hairs on our head, doesn't it make sense He has something in mind for our lives? If He's keeping up with that minute detail, the number of hairs on your head, don't you think perhaps He has an idea of what He wants to do with your life? Uh, Let me show you a scripture, Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. Isaiah chapter 30. Verse 21, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. That clearly, Isaiah is saying, God was directing in this situation, God was saying, listen, here's, here's the way God's going to speak to you, whether you go to the right or to the left, but you're going to hear a voice behind you say, this is the way, walk in it. So, here's my, here's my point. There are th- at least three ways trying to determine God's will. At least three ways trying to determine big decisions. One is the checklist. The, uh, what was number two? Talk to me. What was number two? And what was number three? All right. All oh, that's just kind of introductory to get us thinking about how, how are we going to make these big decisions? How do we determine God's will? I've got a what if for you. What if God is committed to helping us follow the path he has chosen for us? Let me say that again. What if? What if God is committed to helping us follow the path that he has chosen for us? What if God has chosen a path for you and he is committed to helping you find that path? Let me show you this idea in scripture. It's in uh, Acts chapter Uh, chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, you know the the story of Acts chapter 9 is the story of Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus, we're not going to read all of that text, but I just want you to see that what God said to Ananias, do you remember who Ananias was? Ananias was the man that God sent to Saul after Saul had encountered Christ on the road to Damascus, and he was blind, and and God said, Ananias, I want you to go speak to Saul. Ananias didn't want to do it, but then God makes this point in verse 15. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my... What's that next word? Yeah. This man is my chosen instrument To carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. Here's what I want you to see. I want you to understand something here. What if God is committed to helping us follow the path He has chosen for us? What if God is absolutely committed to helping you follow the path He has chosen for you? And in fact... Let's trace Paul's life for a moment. Let's run to chapter 16 and let's see God living or God doing this for for Saul or for Paul as he's later called. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. They're trying to determine God's will. They're trying to make some big decisions, decisions like where do we go to preach the gospel? Where do we go for our next mission partnership? What is God's will for us? Where do we take the gospel? They're trying to determine God's will. And watch how this unfolds. It says, in the middle of verse 6, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia, and when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Do you feel like God might be directing His steps here? Verse 8, So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding, this is underlined in my Bible, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, I know some of you probably are thinking, you're thinking, my name isn't Paul. God hasn't given me a ministry like he has Paul. And you're missing the point, if that's what you're thinking. My name is not Paul either. God hasn't given me a ministry like that either. But the point is, not Paul. The point is what God was doing for Paul. The point is, we serve the same God Paul served. And what if God is committed to helping us find the path He has chosen for us? So here's what, that's all kind of introduction. Here's what I want to do in the remaining time. I want to talk about this idea of how do we do that practically? How do we make big decisions? I've got a little group exercise here that um, I want you to talk to somebody beside you, near you, for just a moment, just a minute or two. A little group exercise. And I want you to come up with who is your favorite person in the Old Testament? And why, or or maybe I should say it this way, what are they known for? Talk to one another. Who's like your favorite character in the Old Testament, and what are they known for? Talk to one another for about 60 seconds while I change the page here. Okay, big question. Who's like some of your favorite characters in the Old Testament and what are they known for? Give me one. Favorite character? Job? And what are they known for? Or what is he known for? All right. All right. Suffering. And serving God. Give me another one. Moses. Moses. What's Moses known for? He was a good example of what you're talking about, how God used somebody who felt not qualified, but he directed their life and worked through them to accomplish what his his, uh, purpose was. All right. So God spoke to him and directed him as he led the Exodus, right? Give me another one. Joseph, what is he known for? Okay, in a, in a very hard time, right? He went through some tough things. Remember this word obedience. We may come back to that. Give me one more. Abraham. what's Abraham known for? Okay. All right. So faith or faithfulness, right? Would you look at that? We could certainly add to this list and we we have a, a lot of people we could put on here. Let's just look at Moses, for example. Greg was, was saying it really is kind of an illustration of what we're talking about. It would be true <coughs> be true of all of these, but let's just look at Moses for, for an example. When God spoke, whether it was to Job or to Moses or Joseph or Abraham, when God spoke, several things happened. I'll write these down if you're taking notes. <coughs> Number one, when God spoke, it was usually unique to the individual. God spoke to Job in a far different way than he did Moses. And he spoke to Joseph very differently than he did Moses. Or Abraham, he spoke to Abraham very differently. When God spoke, it was usually to a, unique to that individual. For example, Moses did not have a precedent of, okay, this is the way God spoke to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. God spoke to them through a burning bush. Is that what happened? Did God speak to Abraham through a burning bush? No. So Moses didn't have anything to go on to say, how does God speak to us? But one day when he was outside, when he was in the desert, when he was tending the sheep, there was that burning bush. That was unique to Moses. Have you, do you know of any other biblical character where God spoke to them through a burning bush? I don't. But if Moses were alive today, can I tell you what would happen? He would write a book about my burning book experience. He would go on a speaking tour about how you can have your burning bush experience. And, and we would be having conferences, burning bush conferences, of how your church can have burning bush encounters. And we miss the whole concept that when God speaks sometimes, it is unique to the individual. When God spoke to Abraham, he was in a pagan land. And it was a unique conversation that they had. You see, the key is not, write this down, the key is not how God spoke. The key is that He spoke. And that has not changed. God still speaks today. He wants us to look to Him in a relationship rather than depend on, remember the checklist on all those kind of things? Those things can be useful tools. But if you really want to know the will of God, you have to know God. The better you know God, the better you can hear from God. Now, now we want something fast. We want something easy because I've got to make a decision by tomorrow or by next week. And I get that. And sometimes you have the pressure of the decision. I understand that. And I I understand that. But in general, my, my point is this. God will speak to you when you focus on knowing Him better. And the way God speaks to you may be unique to the individual. Number two, when God spoke, the person to whom God spoke, they were sure that it was God speaking. When God spoke to these individuals, they knew it was God that was speaking. It was interesting that none of the people we read about in Scripture could prove that God had spoken to them. It, they couldn't prove that God had spoken to them. All they could do was obey what God said. That was the key. They heard what God said and they obeyed what God said. When God spoke, they clearly heard God speak to them. Number three, when God spoke, the person knew what God said. In other words, God's voice gave direction. They knew what God wanted them to do. Abraham knew exactly what God wanted him to do. Leave your country, leave your people, leave your family, go to the land, I'll show you. Moses knew exactly what God wanted him to do. Now, he didn't want to do it, but he knew exactly what God wanted him to do. He didn't feel qualified to do it, but he knew exactly what God wanted him to do. Now, if you don't have clear instruction for God, can I give you a verse to hang on to? Psalm 130, verses 5 through 7. <clears throat> Psalm 130. There are times when you will not have clear direction yet from God. What do you do? Psalm 130, 5 through 7. Let's go there. And here's what the psalmist said. The psalmist said, beginning of verse 5, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in His word I put my hope. Watch this. Watch what he says here. I wait for the Lord. And he says it twice, I wait for the Lord. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits and in his word, I put my hope. While you're waiting for God's direction, make sure you are deep into God's word. Look what else he says. My soul waits for the Lord. There's that word again. More than watchmen wait for the morning, more than the watchmen wait for the morning. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, with Him is full redemption. Now, can I be honest with you about something? Do you know what I've learned about waiting? Now, this this is going to be really good, so make sure you get this. You know what I've learned about waiting? It sounds like a good idea until you're the one that has to do it. right? right. But my point is simply this. Don't try to skip over your relationship with God in order to get on to do something for God. Don't You can't skip that portion of, of your relationship with God. So the best way to know God's will is to know God better. I had a unique experience uh, back when we did at Christmas time when we did the the light show down here. I don't know if you remember, but during the light show, I recorded this little one or two minute deal, you know, that they played. The lights came on the manger and then then I was speaking. Because of COVID, of course, a lot of people were not coming to church at that time. And apparently some of them were not watching online either. Uh, Or maybe it's some people who, who I used to know or something, I don't know. But I had this happen to me more than once uh, I, I'm not saying I had it 15 or 20 times, but more than once, I had somebody come to me during this, that, that nightly thing, and they'd say, Pastor, as soon as I heard your voice, I knew it was you. And I had one person came almost, almost crying and saying, it was so comforting just to hear your calm voice in this troubling time. I don't say that in any form or fashion to brag. I say that to make this point. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice and follow me. Do you know how you learn the voice of the shepherd? You have to be around him, right? Now, I know all of this probably for you is like, well, I, I knew that before I came. But I want to give you two clarifying questions. Two clarifying questions that will really begin to bring things into perspective as you're trying to make big decisions. The two clarifying questions that you need to ask is this. Number one, are you willing to hear God say, No. No. As you're trying to determine, is this God's will? As you're trying to determine, does God want me to do this? As you're trying to hear the voice of God and discern the will of God, ask yourself, are you willing to hear God say no? You see, too often, I'm afraid, we really don't want God's will. We want God's approval of our will. We're trying to get God to say yes to our plan. We want God to say yes to our ideas. So this is a tough gut level check when you ask yourself honestly, am I willing to hear God say no? I mean, that will be a very clarifying moment for you. A very clarifying moment as you say, okay God, my life is yours. Sometimes when you say my life is yours, you have to be willing to hear God say No. The other side of the issue is just as important. Am I willing to say yes to God? That's another clarifying question. Am I willing to say yes to God in what I sense He is saying? Is my yes on the table? As you study the Bible... The people that God used mightily are those people who basically released their life to God. They said yes. As you study the Bible, you see people like Moses who eventually said yes. Or you see people like Abraham who said yes. We're talking about Joseph and faithfulness and obedience. These are men who said yes. Two clarifying questions. Am I willing for God to say no? And am I willing to say yes? When you get to that point where you can do both of those, you are in essence giving God a blank page. And this is my life. I hadn't planned on telling you this. And I've shared it before, but I just sense that I need to share it. When I was in college, preparing for the ministry, I went away for a weekend retreat. I was a little bit anxious about what God wanted to do in my life. I still didn't I di- still didn't understand this whole concept of being a minister. And I, I mean, it, w- it was just an odd thing for me that God would call me into the ministry because I was so shy and so backward and all those kind of things. And, and the whole concept of, of what I sensed God was calling me to do, it it just... It still didn't make sense to me. I said yes to it. I went to, away to college, but it still didn't make sense to me. I still struggled with it. And one weekend we went away for a retreat, <coughs> kind of like a Baptist student union retreat or something. I still have the Bible in, in my office right now. I had a black Schofield Bible, and the author, or the speaker that day said, "I want you to go out, find a place to sit, and and I want you to you know do these kind of things and And I went and I sat under a tree. I opened my Bible, my Schofield Bible, to a blank page. And I sat there wrestling with my yes. Not knowing what my yes would mean. Because I wanted God to give me the details before I said yes. Because I wanted to have final say-so. On my yes. Sitting under that tree. I turned to a blank page. And on the very bottom of that blank page. I wrote. This is a contract. That I'm making. To serve God. For the rest of my life. Wherever he wants me to go. Whatever he wants me to do. I signed it. The whole page was blank except for that statement. Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, my answer is yes. And let me tell you why you have to get to that point. There are so many voices in our world speaking into our lives. There are so many voices that speak. First of all, there's the voices of our friends. There's the voices of our family, our children, our spouse, whoever it may be. There's the voice of the enemy. There's our own inner voice. Our fears and our hang-ups and our questions and our doubts. And in the midst of all of that, we're trying to also hear the voice of God. And this is where the struggle comes in. This is why we we really struggle with trying to discern, what is it God wants me to do? It's because I've got all of these other voices speaking into me. The voices of my friends, they have one idea, and and they might think I'm crazy for what I'm considering. And then I've got my family, and they might be afraid of what I'm considering. And and then I've got the enemy who's trying to keep me from doing what God wants me to do. And then there's that inner voice where I have my own hang-ups, and I have my own questions, and I have my own fears, and I have my own struggles. And in the midst of all of these voices, we're trying to hear and focus on the voice of God. So, as you're reading the Word, it really comes down to something this simple. As you're reading, by the way, if you're trying to discern the will of God, you need to be in the Word of God every day. I mean, you need to be. I, I'm not talking about reading open windows a verse a day and keep the devil away. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if you need to know the will of God, you need to saturate yourself with the Word of God. And as you're in the word of God, it goes back to those two clarifying questions. Am I willing for God to tell me no? And am I willing to tell God yes? And as you wrestle with those two key questions, and as you spend time in God's word, What if God really was committed to helping you understand His will for your life? When you read in the Bible, that's exactly what we see. A God who speaks, and when He speaks, the people understand that it's God, and they know what He's saying. Because God really is committed to helping us understand His will for our lives. Now, Let me tell you what we're going to talk about next week, and we're going to be done. Because this is a very real issue. I get it. What we're going to talk about next week is, what about when I mess up? What about if I miss God's will? That used to terrify me. I was so focused on, I want to make sure I do God's will. I want to make sure I do God's will. I want to make sure I know God's will. I want to make sure I'm surrendered to God's will. I was so tied up in knots about that. Because I was afraid, what if I make the wrong decision? That's what we'll talk about next week. Lord willing. Today and this week, just those two questions. Clarifying questions. Am I willing for God to tell me no? And am I willing to say yes to Him? Knowing the yes may cost me. pray over you father i know we all have big decisions to make and as proverbs 3 5 and 6 says help us to trust in the lord with all of our heart and not to lean on our own understanding but in all of our ways acknowledge you and may you direct our path we lean on that we believe that we ask for that i pray that you would help us Today and this week. To turn down the volume on our own desires. To ignore the volume of those voices around us. That trying to give us their own opinion. And help us to focus on the voice of God. And I pray that in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here.